Hello and welcome to the next episode of DDR, a podcast all about your favorite video game, Dance Dance Revolution? No, this is Driz Dunbright, the podcast all about your favorite drow, Driz Doerden. Yeah, maybe this uh, podcast was named purposefully to make you think we're DDR, the Dance Dance Revolution? I don't know. It was a fun game back in the day, but... <laughs> we are not above getting those extra hashtag clicks on our profile. <laughs> My name is Justin, and in this episode, we'll be diving deep into Chapter 27 of Homeland, titled Untroubled Dreams, discussing all of our favorite plot points, characters, and more. And my name is Jeffrey. You know, we're both really big fans of D&D, so in each chapter, we're going to invite you to delve into the dungeon with us and see how parts of this chapter relate to the tabletop role-playing game that, you know, we all love so much. Remember to stay on the lookout for traps and bad guys, and we'll do our best to get you out in one piece when we're done. (laughs) Yeah, hopefully no one gets hurt. Uh, Following along with the show is easy. Just grab a copy of the book and read the next chapter, and then you can just tune in every week. Uh, But remember, we want to hear your thoughts too, so you can share those with us via email at dristunright at gmail.com. Or, better yet, be part of the ongoing discussion. Come on into our very own Driz Done Right Discord. The link is in the invitation is linked in the podcast description, and it's going to be where you can get the latest news and updates on this podcast. We're going to take a small break between books one and two because you know we like to shake up how we're doing things moving forward, so that maybe we can try to fit in all thirty plus books that uh, <laughs> you know, Mr. Salvatore has been able to write for us. So make sure you get that invitation and join the Dim Light Squad so you don't miss a thing moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, a little uh, apology to our listeners that are keeping up with us, uh, up to date, uh, you know, staying live with the show. We had a little bit of technical difficulties with recording this show, uh, this episode, I should say. And, uh, you know, people that are watching, you know, in the future, you know, you won't even know. You won't notice anything. The future. <laughs> no, so. and, you know, not to not to, to uh, put too fine a point on it. When we started recording the podcast, we did not know everything we're going to need, uh, technically speaking, moving forward. So myself, as I'll raise my hand, is, uh, you know, a little bit behind on the technology side of things. And <laughs> no. when we tra- when we tried to record it, you know, it just didn't make it fully the way that we want it to. So yeah. we're going to we're going to go ahead, rewind it back and give you guys a good take, a full take, because full that's what take. you deserve. <laughs> Rather than a 14 minute out of yeah. 45 minute take. <laughs> yeah. What happened is, well, the full packet I tried to send didn't make it. Uh, maybe the mail courier through the Gmail uh, decided yeah. to drop it. He was having a bad day. I, you know, whatever happened, it did not make it to the destination. Yeah. I put up an apology in our Discord. Remember, that's where you get all the latest updates and everything going on. To let you guys know, and what we're going to do is record this one and the next one, not back-to-back, but right. in the same week. and going to feed you guys the content, hopefully, that you're waiting for. <laughs> Awesome. Well, here we are on, uh, today is June 27th. Jeffrey, how are you? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Just went, uh, went to the hospital on Monday. No! Why? Yeah. What happened? Uh, I had to to do an MRI on my liver. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. You were telling me about that. That's right. Yeah, precautionary stuff. They want to make sure that, you know, everything looks good and going forward. And, uh, like a while back, the doctor told me I had a fatty liver. 
Uh, mm. Not sure if it's genetic or if it's just what I eat because, right. you know, fat kid loves some sweets over here. <laughs> but, uh, you know, just as I get as you get older, it turns out that, uh, you know, you got to make these appointments. You got to show yeah, up. And part of adulting yeah. is making sure as much as possible that your body is in the right shape to move forward. So, yeah, you know, just a little upkeep went there. Um, yep. Other than that, been watching, you know, a couple of TV shows with Elizabeth. We nice. just started Yellow Jackets. Have you ever seen that? I haven't, no. Oh, man. It's, it's on Showtime. And it's got okay. Christina Ricci, Juliette Lewis. I uh, cannot remember the other lady. You would know her from a bunch of stuff. And it's about soccer players in high school. They go on a game, go into nationals, plane okay. crashes. They got to go through some stuff to survive. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. And so it bounces back to, uh, you know, the crash and then forward into the future as they're adults. Okay. So it's, it's been quite uh, visceral so yeah. far. Been pretty good. You know, not, not what I expect. Pretty star studded cast. Yellow jackets. So, yeah. Yellow been jackets. enjoying it. Okay. All right. Watched uh, Dexter new blood. It's one of my favorite shows Man, ever. Was I, Dexter. I haven't gotten into that. Just the amount uh, of blood. I don't know if I could yes. handle it. <laughs> no, completely understand. But the fun <laughs> thing about Dexter is it's not, it's not a, uh, it's not a horror. You know what I mean? That, it's uh, it's like I, a lighthearted, yeah. dark comedy. Right. That's what I hear. But I'm still just like, uh, the blood. I don't know. <laughs> yep. Nope. And, you know, it's, it is. it is. It's very bloody because he's yeah. a blood splatter analyst. Right. But he's a, a serial killer that hunts bad guys that get away from the law. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's, a, it's a really fun anti-hero concept. Right. And one of my favorite shows ever. So they had uh. a new season on Showtime. I got to watch that. They're not going to have any more. But it kind of tied the entire series together because there's okay. eight seasons it ended wow, on kind many. of a wet fart yeah uh, like the end of the finale of the season and season eight was kind of like that's what i get and then <laughs> 10 years later they give you another season it's like okay oh has okay. it been 10 years uh, i think so something like that wow i know it's an older show but i mean talking about old shows sarah and i just started um Season one, episode one, starting from episode one of The Office last night. <laughs> now, have you seen it the whole way through? I have multiple times. Okay. It's okay. just one of those things where we can just like throw it up on the TV and just like, you know, the music playing yep. in the background. And it's just kind of like, I don't know, a little nostalgic and Bro, lighthearted. And... Shout out to my buddy. His name is Neil Rosenthal. He'll never listen to the show because we, you know, I met him while I was doing uh, openings on Chang's okay. with PF Chang's. Uh -huh. So he's in New England somewhere doing things okay now you know whatever Big but we were things. doing opens <laughs> yeah he's no longer with pf changs he's doing his own thing but you know we don't stay in touch we did openings together and he was my roommate and when okay. he was my roommate he would leave on the office all night that's what he would fall asleep to <laughs> right yeah yeah and <laughs> there's something about it <laughs> well it's it's easy to just leave on in the background the problem yep. with it is the music on the intro and exit uh -huh. is much louder than the actual oh. like scenery. So when right. you go through 20 minutes of the show, yep. it's fine. Yep. And you hear, bah, bah, da, da. It's a whoa, whoa, <laughs> it's so much louder. And so I could never sleep. Thanks, Neil. But that led to me going ahead and getting an eye mask and an earplugs. Right. And then I, I, looked, yep. I looked like a zombie when I would sleep in that place after that. <laughs> but that's what got me on to, you know what, let me just marathon this thing from front to end. And yeah, yeah it's great. I don't like when Michael Scott leaves. Steve Carell really made that show for me. Him yeah. and Dwight. Cause oh, yeah, totally. I'm a Dwight. I'm you're, not a full Dwight. You're not a I'm, Dwight. I'm, no. I'm I mean, a Dwight-leaning individual. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so we started that last night. And, well, she's been – she just got Peacock, uh, the streaming service. 
And so fun, I was just like, oh, we got Peacock. So I can finally watch The Office again because the last time I watched it was when it was on Netflix. And um, But she nice. she got it for uh, a different show. I forget what she's watching. But then... Traders. Because, is it Traders? Yes. Is that what it's? Okay. Yeah. Because, I know because Elizabeth is yeah, the, the yep. influence that made her get that. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so she'll, she'll watch that. While she watches that, I'm out playing Tears of the Kingdom. I put so many hours into the new Zelda game. So, nice. so good. Oh, I'm like... I don't want to spoil anything, but I'm I'm uh, you know getting pretty far in the game, but I, I'm afraid of like I don't want to beat it yet, you know. Like I'm just like yeah. no, I, I'm just gonna I want to explore everything first as much as I can at least, and uh, before I finally finish it. But nah, I think that's the mark of a good game, right? It makes you want to live in that world as much as possible, right? You yeah, know, you don't want to rush through it. And and that's one of the things like with this game. There, there's a lot of games out there that are very linear. It's just like, well, once you've done this, you go to this step. But with this game, I got into it, and once the world opened up, I ignored the main quests for a good 20 hours. Like, I just, oh, I, yeah. I didn't even, like, I was just like, look at that hill over there. I'm going to trademark my own term. I am an SQF, bro. That is a side quest freak. I do. I would much rather do everything around it yeah, and then finish the side the yeah. main quest because I know it's feeding me the story, and yep. I don't like being force fed a story. <laughs> so I'm just like, look at that mountain. I'm gonna climb it, and then like halfway there, I'm like, oh, there's a shrine, and go over there, and I'm like, oh, there's horses. I'm gonna try to catch one, and <laughs> like just like yep. to- like man, the ADHD in oblivion, comes I out. I wish I could tell you how long I literally spent shooting deer. Oh yeah, you totally. Know, just just crouching. Them and, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> Just like, like it living sounds in so that nerdy, world. but I loved it. <laughs> All right. Well, we're almost 10 minutes in here, Jeff. We, we better, we better uh, get started on the actual show or we're going to lose our audience. Uh, right. <laughs> Hang with us, guys. We're going to actually kick into it right now. Give it to him, Justin. <laughs> All right. We are in episode 27. Let's go ahead and start this show off the way we always do with the Drizzed. So, The Drizzed is the part of the show where we take a look at this week's chapter and give you the drizzed of it. You know, here we open up and Zach Nefane is getting his first good night's sleep in what must have been a few hundred years, really. Mm-hmm. How it felt to dream instead of to be assaulted by nightmares. Right. And Zach saw a future with his son who had survived despite all odds. From the beautiful rest, he found himself rudely awoken by the Daughters of Malice. It's going to be my punk rock band if I ever start one in Menzo Barrington. <laughs> Love it. His presence was requested. It, maybe it wasn't so much of a request. I think it was a voluntold type situation. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, we're just trademarking terms all over the place. I like that. You make sure you put that on the t-shirt. <laughs> Zach could tell by their faces that this was not to be a cordial visit. When he arrived before Malice, she let him know that Drizzt was out breaking rules. And Zack relaxed a little bit. After all, boys will be boys. Even drow boys. Amid the commotion, Zack tried to downplay the offense. But Matron Malice, suddenly enraged and tired of Zack's sarcasm, lashed out. Drizzt has displeased the Spider Queen. A most serious offense. Then she tipped her hand and let him know that she knew that he knew of Drizzt's <laughs> crime. The elven child of the surface from the surface raid still lives. Ooh. 
Zack realized that this was far more serious than he thought. Not only did she know that Drizzt hadn't killed the child, well, she had spied on them in the training room. Yeah. He dropped his head as he realized the part that he had played in revealing Drizzt's secret. Even worse, however, Matron Malice spelled out that a life for a life will be the punishment. And Zach Nefane tried to backpedal and explain that, you know, Drizzt didn't know the consequences. He tried to throw every excuse that he could. He explained that House Hunet would likely benefit from this. But Malice was not to be dissuaded. The Spider Queen demands his death. And without her favor, House Doerden will not succeed. So this... Zach Nefane... Sorry, I'm going to interrupt you a second here. This seems... I'm really bad at irony, like understanding what irony is. But mm-hmm. isn't this a little ironic? The fact that Drizzt, or sorry, uh, Zach Nefane was trying to kill Drizzt. But then yes. that situation came up where it was just like, oh, like it's revealed like, hey, like I didn't actually kill the surface child. I am still here. Like I'm still the same Drizzt that I have always been. And then he's like, oh, you're saved. And then it's like, but his, his, um... Uh, what do you want to call it? His charismatic, his persuasion, not his persuasion, but his like forceful way of getting Driz to spit that out. You know what I mean? Just uh, mm-hmm. brought Driz's death on just from a different direction. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, like that's I no, <laughs> I, I think you're right because he spent so long debating if he should kill Driz. He spent so long sitting on the balcony with that cup of espresso looking out over Menzo Barons and thinking about maybe Driz should die and not come back. And then presented with the fact that Driz is going to die, he's like, well, hold on a second. You're really overreacting. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about that. Like, hold on, no. you want to kill? No, like, isn't that a little harsh? <laughs> <laughs> so, Zach Nevain continues to beg for mercy on behalf of his son, but... Her name is Matron Malice, not mm-hmm. Matron Mercy. I love it. And she would not be moved. Zack realized the true reason that he was brought here, and he stepped forward willingly into this trap. They traded barbs as they both realized that Matron Malice was going to get exactly what she wanted without a fight from Zack He went willingly toward his certain death and saw a bit of sympathy from Vierna. And when he stopped to remark, she only lamented the waste of his, of this situation, not being able to see them fight together in the battle for House Dewerden. Zack spoke of his hopes that Drizzt would be able to succeed where he had not, to do more than survive. The braziers roared to life as Matron Malice chanted, but Zack had other thoughts on his mind as he began his final transition. Hmm. Do you think... It's a little haunting there, bro. I'm not going to lie. Like, oh, no, I totally. At the end, totally. it comes out towards, like, his final transition. Oh. <sighs> Do you think that Zack and Driz together fighting House Hanette would be... would outweigh the Spider Queen's favor? No. No? Only because a lot of what they do is based on magic. Right, and we saw the beginning um, when they fought. Oh my goodness, all the way back to House Devere. That right. the big turning point was that one house had magic. Okay, the other one did not. Good call. So Zach went in and he you know, he butchered the, the clerics. He whipped out the tongue of the matron that was uh, of House Devere. High five, Zach. Great whip <laughs> shot, being blinded. But that's all made possible, at least more 
easy <laughs> the, because they couldn't defend themselves with magic. And I think what Matron Malice gets at here is that, yeah, you know what? Drizzt is, is a great warrior, but the ability to protect themselves with magic and lash out at the other house with magic really does set apart because you know the the right. systems the the wards the glyphs that they put up to protect themselves these are all weakened and they're not as effective and one drow no matter how successful of a warrior they are is going to have a hard time overtaking what five say 300 drow guards plus 15 clerics give or take you know i mean just throwing out random numbers for a size of that so the two of them would probably be able to tear up the ranks and everything else and they'd be able to fight their way in but the ability for matron malice to lash out psionically i think would be a huge yeah well i think it'd be a huge swing in the favor of house to word right you know and then if house hunet has that favor and they're going to be the word doesn't back right yep I think it makes it even more one-sided in the favor of House Devere or House Hunet. Yeah, yeah. I like you know, especially to... when you take any kind of morale into account, because Matron Malice doesn't really think about you know males in any kind of rear uh, revere. Right. And so she wants that magic. You know, that's like a person who, you know, like a water creature. What are they? The the frog people in D and D. Ah, remember what they're called? Ah, uh, shoot! I can picture them. Uh, Cro- Cro- Croatoa, or? I'm trying to remember. Uh, I can't remember. Tyler's playing one right now. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> so I, they're Grung. G-R-U-N-G. Oh. Grung. Oh, that was way They're frog off. people, and they're like half-sized, hu- uh, half halfling-sized humanoid frog people. They need to be in water okay. at least one hour out of the day. So it's like, imagine... You know, Matron Malice is this person who needs to be in that magic, and she's just submerged in it all the time because she's a high priestess of, uh, you know, of Loth. And then suddenly you're on a desert island. You know what I mean? Like you could be told that you have the best army in the world, but the only thing she's going to want is to be back in the water, submerged in that magic and the blessings of Loth. Okay. Yeah. This is what I was thinking. I don't know if you can, if it'll get clear or not, those things. Which uh, Kua Kuotoa, K U O. Oh, we covered them earlier. We did, yeah, we did because they do live in the underdark. They're like those fish people, not frog people. So I don't know what I was thinking, but that—that's what I—that's what came to my mind. Anyway, all right, yeah, I—I like to think that I like to think that Drizzt and Zach would be strong enough to at least put up a really strong fight, but to take out an entire house. Yeah, I I, th- I think I would have to agree with you. The uh, the magic that Loth supplies for them to really get the edge over the the defending house. Yeah, that that you would know be what? really needed. Maybe you know Drizzt in book twenty two. Right, we're still right. In, we're still in book one, and he's still he's level one. Those, those he's still level yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, he might be like a level five now. But yeah, 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 he's still early I mean, in his ascent into legendary status. <laughs> this is supposed to be a prequel, but I guess considering <laughs> like going through the academy and everything, yeah, he's honestly probably level five, if not higher. But <laughs> all right, <clears throat> a relatively short chapter here. Not a ton going on, but in the same in the same like breath a ton going on uh very important stuff yes. very cool like a lot of awesome like 
a lot of things that I just love. Let's go ahead and talk about our favorite parts from this chapter in the Dim Light Reel. The Dim Light Reel is where we cast darkness on our favorite parts of the chapter and dim light all of our favorite characters, events, descriptions, and more. And yeah, so, uh, Jeffrey, short chapter, yes. but correct. I'm giving you two. I'm giving you oh, two. I don't have dim to do lights. any. I'm just gonna sit back. Go ahead, get him. <laughs> because I'm just, I'm just that greedy. <laughs> all right. So, um, and plus, I mean, I know like yours is probably. Mm, yours, your dim light that you're going to cover is probably like actually my favorite, but you claimed it first. So I'm just going to choose my next two. So my yeah, first dim light. Early bird taking the worm, even in the, <laughs> even in the underdark, baby. <laughs> um, so my first dim light comes after Zachnafane has offered his life for Driz. Okay. So this was all like obviously a setup, uh, which I think my first read through, I didn't quite pick up on that, but then it was just like, oh yeah, like she was hoping that that would happen, right? And I she... didn't pick up on it fully until we did the first recording of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> when you mentioned it to me, I was like, right. right, right, no, that's it's the plan the whole time. It's not like, hey, he backpedaled and she accepted the compromise. Like, no, that's mm -hmm. that's the whole reason yep. why she woke, why she had her daughters wake up Zach Nefane, because it's like, hey, like we're going to get him to sacrifice himself because he got Driz to reveal all this information and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. So, obviously, it's a setup. Obviously, she has already thought out all the other possibilities within the possibility of Zach Nefane offering his own life. Like, she, she's a matron mother. She is like a chess player. She's 11 steps ahead, right? Like, she's, she's seeing everything. She is... Um, What's his face? Um, Doctor Strange in Infinity War, where he sees the one million different outcomes of all the different, <laughs> you know? Like <laughs> You said, what's his face? I'm like, Gary Kasparov, he played Deep Blue. You're thinking about the Russian guy. Oh, no, 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 you were in somewhere else. Never mind, not the chess player. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, <clears throat> she's already, she has all of her backup plans already set up, I'm sure, right? Like, she's a matron mm -hmm. mother. Uh, so, she keeps asking Zach... Just like, are you sure? Like, really, really sure? You aren't going to change your mind at the last second and mess everything up, are you? And, because, no like, takesies, backsies. <laughs> and Zach's response to this, I just absolutely loved. His response was, I have offered myself, Malice. Have your fun while you may. In the end, Zach Nefane will be at peace. Matron Malice de Worden will ever be at war. That's great. I just, I love that response because I mean, one, on one hand, it's sad that Zach Nefane has been contemplating death as his only escape for basically his entire life. But now we have this moment where he's doing, he's facing death right in the face and he's able to spout off this insult right at, at like right into Malice's face. Yeah. And I mean, to borrow like a Hollywood cinema moment. This is when the action hero blows up the hotel behind them, but they're walking away toward the camera and never flinch. <laughs> yeah, you know and what I mean. Don't look that back. Huge right? explode. Nope, nope. Yep, it, they're too cool to do that. <laughs> too cool to look back at the explosion. What was that? Was a song on YouTube, wasn't it? That was. 
I don't know. To me, it's always the James Woods in John Carpenter's Vampires, where he blows up the motel with the vampires, but he's walking away and like flicks the toothpick off to the side, saunters. (laughs) It's just such a cool visual moment. But that's that's basically like to me what Zagafane does in that moment where she's like, you know, I'm gonna kill you. You know, you can't take it back. You know, he's just like, shut up. All right. (laughs) And and I I will be at peace. You and never he, will be. Well, he's been the patron for under like Matron Malice for so long that he knew exactly what to say to really get her blood boiling because like it just yeah. made it such an awesome moment. She's just like, get him out of here, you know. Like, uh, loved that. Absolutely loved that for him. Uh, my other dim light has to do with um, the last words that we hear, Zach utter in this chapter i mean these these words could very well be his last as the chapter ends with zach being tied to an altar and a spider-shaped dagger inches away from his chest so who knows right um so those words as zach laid there helpless were uh well one he was whispering under his breath so i assume like no one else heard him around there but basically he was directing them toward uh, drizzt and he was just whispering beat them all do more than survive, my son, as I have survived. Live, be true to the callings of your heart. And I just loved that too. Zachary was just on point this chapter. Um, I yeah. liked. I, I like to think that even though he was whispering them and like no one else was able to hear him, I like to think of the possibility that somehow those words just like magically evaporated into the ether and were transported over to Drizzt's ears just loud enough for him to be able to hear Zack. Uh, because, I mean, Drizzt yep. has already, uh, was already one to follow the callings of his heart, but if he knew that these were Zack's last words, if, if these are Zack's last words, that would just be a huge character-defining moment for him. Oh, so, yeah. It's almost like, you know, he speaks out, you know, in a low voice, but it goes out, like you're saying, and then, like, right into, like, the soul of Drizzt. And, like, yeah. even if he can't hear it with his ears, maybe he just, he just feels it with, his, it with every right? fiber of his being. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. Love that moment. Excellent. That is a great, well, a great double dim light. I love it. Love it. <laughs> For me, I, uh, I, I went with, Vierna finds out Zach is not her dad. And doesn't take it as well as Driz did. That's my subtitle to it. Zach is her dad. Yeah. Yeah, you said isn't. But yeah, sorry. Oh. <laughs> so my dim light is Fierna finds out Zach is her dad. <laughs> there you go. It sounded like it anyway. Maybe not. <laughs> anyway. My dim light reel is the moment where she finds out that Zach is her father. When Drizzt had this revelation, it ended it in a great peace between the two. So I thought it'd be interesting to see how Vierna takes the news. Mm-hmm. We start off right after Zach Nefane had offered himself up as tribute and told Malice, this line I love, I told you earlier when you said it, in Zach Nefane will be at peace, matron Malice Doerden will ever be at war. Yeah. Malice could only whisper. She was shaking in anger that her moment of triumph should be stolen by a few simple words. And that totally speaks to exactly what you were saying, that he knew which button to hit. Exactly. (laughs) So she whispers out, take him. It's all she can say. Zack offers no resistance as Vierna and Maya tied him to the spider-shaped altar in the chapel. He watched Vierna mostly, seeing an edge of sympathy rimming her quiet eyes. She too might have been like him. But whatever hope he had for that possibility 
had been buried long ago under the relentless preaching of the Spider Queen. I love this because it shows that even in the finality of his moment, Zack is looking at one of his children and seeing the connection that they share. He's, he's looking at his reflection inside of Vierna, and a piece of him is always clinging on to hope. Sometimes that hope is that his child will suffer a quick death instead of living into the torture of Menzo Berenson. <laughs> you know, so it's not always sunshine and rainbows with Zack, which brings up the odd question. Justin, do you think that uh, Drow know what a rainbow is? <laughs> so that's a tricky one. I mean, right? I mean, they, I, they obviously hate the great ball of fire in the sky. So I don't think that with infravision, even if they were up on the surface after a rainstorm and the sun came out, that they'd really be able to see the rainbow in the same way because it's heat patterns, right? Is what they see. And now here's oh. you're the scientific guy. I'm just throwing out scientific questions. If it's the refraction of sunlight or light passing through the prism of water, would that show up in, in, in infravision? So I will say that infrared is the same phenomenon as visible light. It's still an electromagnetic wave. So, like, visible light is the rainbow colors, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so... Roy G. Biv, I still remember that. <laughs> the red is the outside, the, the largest uh, radius part of the... Okay, so above that would be infrared. And going uh-huh. in that direction, right? So going above the rainbow. And so, okay. I mean, thinking about it from a scientific standpoint, a rainbow in infravision would look very different from a normal rainbow. Would it be like a lack of that then, then since I see around it instead of like seeing the light itself? Because we see it refracted and it's Roy G. Bib, you know, red, orange, yellow, all the way down to violet. And... If if infravision is above the red spectrum, so would they then see like the absence of the rainbow when the rainbow is out? I mean, if they're looking with infravision and not and not like regular light vision, right? Then mm-hmm. I would think they would still see a infravision shaded rainbow, possibly different shades of infrared. I don't know. I don't know. That's that's in, that's very interesting to think about. <laughs> if any of our listeners have their thoughts on it, remember, come into the Discord, join the Dim Light Squad, throw it up in the general discussion. Let me know if you think that Drow would be able to see a rainbow or what they would think of a rainbow. If you've not yet to join the Discord, remember, we do have an email, drizdunright at gmail.com. Please shoot an email over to us and let us know. We always love to hear from you. Yeah, and and not to carry out on this co- uh, conversation too much. Yeah, if they're not producing light in Menzo Berenzon, they're probably not seeing many rainbows. But how often do they have to go out and water the mushroom garden? If they, if they get their... Their okay. garden hose in just the right spot, and there happens to be the faceless one with a candle in his window. Maybe they can catch a quick or a I quick mean, Narvendel is the light. That, that is visible that light, cavern. right? So, right, right, right. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway, Zach looks back at Vierna. You are sad, he remarks. Vierna strengthened and tugged tightly at one of the bonds on Zach, causing him to grimace in pain. A pity she replied as coldly as she could. House de Worden must give up much to repay Drizzt's foolish deed. I would have enjoyed watching the two of you together in battle. The line, as coldly as she could, is the one that really interests me here. I, you know, have you ever been in a situation where maybe you felt out of place? 
you know, maybe you're in a scary situation and someone asks if you're afraid, but you're surrounded by your buddies or your coworkers or whatever. And, you know, you puff up your chest and say, I'm not afraid. Almost, you know, more to convince yourself than to anyone else. Trying to convince yourself and put on a brave face. I mean, that's, that's kind of what I feel like Vienna is doing here. You know, saying, I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> House Hunette would not have enjoyed the sight, Zach replied with a wink. I mean, how, how boss do you got to be in the middle of going to get sacrificed to just shoot a wink at your daughter? Right. Like, well, eh, to, she, they wouldn't have enjoyed that wink. Right. To, like, crack a joke like that. And it's like, yeah, I'm about to yeah. die. Might as well have a little fun with it. <laughs> Cry not, my daughter. And Vienna slapped him across the face. Take your lies to your grave. Oh, man. So, you know, we, we see that Vienna did not take this nearly as well as Drizzt did. Deny it as you choose, Vienna was all that Zach cared to reply. Vierna and Maya backed away from the altar. Vierna fought to hold her scowl, and Maya bit back an amused chuckle as Matron Malice and Breeza entered the room. So Vierna lashes out at Zach Nefane and accuses him of lying, but when Salvatore writes that she's fighting to hold on to her scowl, I gotta think that she knows. Yeah. Somewhere deep inside of her, she knows the truth as well as anyone else does. But her years of indoctrination at the hands of the Spider Queen will not allow her to let her facade slip. Yeah. When she was the weaned mother of Drizzt, she, we saw her acts of kindness, the reflections of Zach Nefane's blood inside of herself. Mm -hmm. But she's aged now, and she's a very, very clever drow. To show weakness is to place herself in the altar as well, and I don't think she's willing to go that far. So I feel that she does her best to lash out in anger and blame Zachnafane and Drizzt instead of accepting the truth that's staring her right in the face. Can you really blame her? You know, to accept the truth now as she is tying Zachnafane up for sacrifice is to admit that she's taking a hand in killing her father. And, and that's a lot for anyone to take in at the last moment. So she puts on her metaphorical mask in place and goes about her job as as best as she can right well i mean like what else can she do like like you said if yeah jump right into the fire and frying pan with well, it i mean it's well that's it's really the thing. it right yeah that's the only thing she can do and like at that point what is zach Nefane trying to really i mean i mean he wants her to know the truth but it's just kind of like Man, Zach, what are you doing to her right now? Like, you're you're putting her in this position yeah. where she's going to feel bad either way, either dead or bad, right? <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. It is a weird spot. Cause I, I don't think he's trying at any point really to, like, make her feel bad or guilty or any of that. But by saying that, like, really, what's, what's the outcome? I mean, if she does know that right. Zach's her father, great. I mean, you're just reinforcing the fact. But you're you're dying. I mean, you're yeah. most likely you're being put on this altar and sacrificed. Yeah. So does he expect her to suddenly lead some type of rebellion against House Stewart? And there's no chance. That's that, yeah. that is not what he's thinking. You know, especially yeah. knowing that Maya is there, and then there's also Breeza and Malice on their way in. There, there's no chance. Right. You know, they're like she's not going to let him out, and they're not going to fight their way out of the house. And it's like no. towards what end? Because Zach spent his whole life knowing he can't leave. Right. No. So, yeah, it is weird that he's just in his last moments like, hey, wink, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Awesome dim lights this week. Jeffrey. Yes. I think it's time for the Dungeon Delve. 
the dungeon delve. Justin, what's a dungeon delve? The dungeon delve, Jeffrey. It's the part of the show where we link this chapter with our favorite tabletop RPG, remember? Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> All right, I'll go first. So, uh, this chapter started in a way that really surprised me. Oh, <laughs> oh, I, that's good. Wordplay. <laughs> uh, so, Zach was sleeping and having the most wonderful dreams. I mean, the poor guy has spent the last at least three decades, right? At, at least um, as long as Drizzt has been alive, worrying about um, specifically Drizzt and... He uh, finally had a chance to have a restful night now because he realized, like, from the previous chapter, that Drizzt was still the same, the same drow, the same Drizzt, the same naive, um, you know, good-natured kid, right? And so, still, a, still a drow, still a drow, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not a bad drow, but still a drow. So he finally had a chance to have a restful night of sleep. That, that all came screeching to a halt when he awoke to Brisa above him and his swords in Vierna's and Maya's hands. And when I first read this, Jeffrey, I was like, hold on. This is Zachnafane we're talking about. No one sneaks up on Zachnafane. Not just that, but the gall they have to have to put their hands on his weapons. Oh, That'd be like him sneaking in to wake up Brisa and holding her snake whip. Like, hey, oh, man. get out of bed. Yeah. Got places to be. Come on. <laughs> and so, like, at first I'm like, no, no, no. And R.A. Salvatore pretty much acknowledge, acknowledged uh, this, this idea that, you know, they did sneak up on him, saying that Zack was finally at ease to the point where he was able to rest well. So, basically, he, has, he was so relaxed that his passive perception was lowered. Um Meanwhile, the Dewardian clerics maintained a high enough stealth check that they were able to enter the room unnoticed. Uh, they might have even used a little magic to help sneak in there even a little more quietly. And these, my friends, are the perfect ingredients for a surprise round. Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> so a surprise round is something that all uh, players and DMs really should be aware of. Uh, it's it's basically a free turn at the start of an encounter, uh, but let's jump into the scenario and give some role values so that you can see how uh, this would play out in a game. So let's pretend you uh, are Zachnafane and you had okay, I'm Zachnafane, <laughs> and you had an eventful day, right? You you yep. just you just found out something huge. You just found out that. Drizzt is still Drizzt, and now you can finally put your mind at ease. And because Makes me happy. Yeah, exactly. You're finally relieved. Because of this, you're able to finally sleep well. And me, as your DM, uh, I'm going to have you roll a perception check as you sleep. Um, you know, a as a DM, I might, I could also possibly ask you for your passive perception. Your passive perception would just be calculated by adding 10 plus your perception modifier and your proficiency bonus if you're proficient in it but yeah uh so let's pretend zach that you rolled uh your perception and you got a 10 i'm not happy with it i'd like to re-roll again oh, that, that's not great is it now you you're no. probably looking for inspiration right now but breeze is well 
Breeze is going to whip you soon, but <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that that's pretty low for Zach, but let's not forget 30 years of worry was just lifted from him. Now the, uh, he's able to sleep well, right? So 10, mm-hmm. not so great, but yeah. Now the DeWarden trio come waltzing in, but they aren't stomping their way in. They're being very sneaky again, possibly even using magic to aid in their guile. Mm-hmm. Um, me, the DM, I'm going to go ahead and roll a stealth check for them. And hey, I add their modifiers, blah, blah, blah. And I get a 13. I am still not happy with rolls going on right now. <laughs> Zach Nefane and I rolled lower. Okay. So since 13 is greater than 10, 13 was the stealth check of the clerics. And mm-hmm. 10 was your perception check. Since the stealth check was higher than the perception check, you don't wake up from them entering the room. Okay. So at this point, the DM, me, would say, roll initiative. Go ahead, roll initiative, right? And that's where right. that, that's where the players, when you hear the DM say, roll initiative, and you're like, hold on, I don't see any bad guys. That's where you should start to sweat. Because <laughs> that means something's happening. Um, it's not good. So everyone rolls and gets placed in the initiative based on their roll, just like normal. But since Zach rolled low with his um, perception... His first turn gets skipped. This is called a surprise round. So technically, if if I then rolled even lower for my initiative and they rolled high, does that mean I could lose two rounds? Like that, I would have to wait for them to go through two sets of actions before right. I Right. So oh. yeah, if you roll lower than them in initiative, they basically get two turns before you get one. So, I mean, as you can see, surprise rounds can really make or break an encounter. You would love to, I mean, you don't want to be on the receiving end of that, right? (laughs) But you would still don't. You would love to be on the opposite end of that. (laughs) Yes. So, if players are being really stealthy right up towards some bad guys, they might be able to take them out before the bad guys even get a turn. Imagine, like, if the bad guys get a really low initiative, all the good guys, which if you have a party of five, you're basically getting 10 turns in before the bad guys get yep. one, which can really just That's a lot. It can just destroy the entire encounter. It can be such a frustrating thing to happen from while sitting behind the DM screen because I'm constantly trying to come up with ways to challenge you guys. Uh, but it can also be very fun to use on the PCs too. Like if I get a surprise round in on you guys. So if. You, the listener. Sounds like you're out to cause us harm, sir. Well, no, like I'm just, I'm trying to challenge you. (laughs) That's fair. And and make things interesting. You know, I'm I'm trying not to uh, do any TPKs, right? But yeah. Adversity builds a good story. Exactly. So if you, the listeners, find your group not utilizing this feature, call it out on your DM sometime. Try sneaking up on some baddies and see if you can thwart your DM's plans. Just be like, Hey, don't we get a surprise round on this since they didn't notice us? (laughs) Watch them kind of like, uh. (laughs) Never split a party, but if your paladin has plate mail, maybe he stands 50 feet away while you sneak up on the baddies. Because stealth is not great. Disadvantage on stealth checks when you have plate mail. (laughs) Is tough. (laughs) Yep. So... For my dungeon delve, I thought it'd be fun to look at the persuasion check that Zach landed on Matron Malice when he successfully argued to take Drist's place on the altar. Remember, 
I didn't realize this was a trap. <laughs> Persuasion check. I mean, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll bite. I'll bite. <laughs> Well, what is a persuasion, you ask? Well, according to nerdarchy.com, persuasion is when you attempt to influence someone or a group of people with tact, social graces, or good nature. The DM might ask you to make a charisma check. Typically, you use persuasion when acting in good faith to foster friendships, make cordial requests, or exhibit proper etiquette. Now, this sounds real nice, but from my playing experience, people will try and use persuasion on everything and everyone at some point in time. Especially, Especially the bard. Especially the bard. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen people use it to try and haggle for lower prices with the innkeepers and merchants. Mm -hmm. I've seen people use it to try to get out of trouble with the guards. I've even seen the party thief use it on the party to try to explain why he got caught stealing from their pockets. <laughs> So, how do you successfully hit persuasion? That's a good question. From a DM standpoint, you need to set the DC high enough so that it makes sense for the situation. After all, getting someone to just suddenly go against everything that they've been working for isn't going to be a simple task. So, I mean, you could set it at 25, maybe go as high as 30. If you're looking at the, the DM screen, that's going to tell you that those are nigh impossible tasks. Yeah, right? exactly. That's what I'm getting out right now. <laughs> And the reason you'd set it that high is, is for several things, right? Think about it like this. If the innkeeper has made a living off of renting rooms and turning a profit, well, then it probably shouldn't be too easy for the party to persuade him to give it up for free. Right. Because if it was that easy, then everyone would do it and he'd no longer have an inn to run. He'd probably be in a debtor's prison somewhere. Exactly. Yeah. So there's like, there is that moment where, I don't know, my wife... Sarah will particularly, I feel like, often go into places and just be like, but can I buy that for cheaper? <laughs> it's like, isn't there something you can give me for free? And I'm like, they're running a business. They're not going to do that. <laughs> yeah. Now, and there's there's ways to get around that too, right? Because look, 25 and 30 is, again, it's near impossible. Right. It's set to be really, really, really tough to check. Yeah. So... If you'd rather not stonewall the party, you can always offer them perhaps an additional side quest in order to grant the room or the change in prices they're looking for. Yeah, that's you a know, good idea. Maybe you have them go out and hunt down some ingredients that you need or something of equal price that they can accomplish through deeds. I know one of the ones that you used was we went to, was it Rowena's uh, mill and helped transport the bags back to town for the, the feed? Yep, mm-hmm. Yeah, and there was the other side quest that I had for you guys where it was like you had to, oh, you wanted something from the alchemist, and the alchemist was like, oh, well, I'm looking for some berries from the, the Goldchill Mountains, and you're like, oh, okay, we'll go yep. get those for you, and then... Yep, which well, was unfortunately nowhere near where I currently was to get the ingredients for my spell, so we, you know, we had to do a little adventuring, but that's the game. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So a fun note is that persuasion is not mind control. No matter how high of a persuasion check that they roll, even if you set it at 30 and they crush it, they're still speaking to someone with words. They're not a mind flayer. They don't have a psychic hold on someone that forces them to do their bidding. So instead of just magically obtaining a win with a high persuasion check, it could maybe allow the NPC to see their party's quest in a new light. You know, an example of this is, say you're stealing the dungeon keys from a guard to free your friends and, you know, you get caught. 
Mm. A persuasion check isn't going to make them magically forget about the fact that there you are stealing the keys. But, you know, say, say you do crush the roll. Then maybe you could talk him into believing that you were sent by the mayor of the town to bring the prisoners to him. Well, I mean, why were you trying to steal the keys? Ah, look, it's because time is of the essence. You know, the mayor, mayor said, bring them here before sundown or heads will roll, specifically mine, and I want to keep it on my shoulders. So I didn't have time to explain everything. So you know what? I, uh, I figured I'd take the keys real quick. I mean, depending on the situation, that almost sounds like a deception check. But if that was true, if the mayor actually wanted that to happen, that would be a perception check, I feel like, right? I think that's the difference between persuasion not perception persuasion no i i think you're absolutely right and this is one of the right? reasons i love having having you on the podcast with me is because i i'm not always sure of the finer details they're splitting hairs you know what i mean like you can persuade them but i do i think you're right that in the in the in the example i was giving i'm probably trying to deceive the guard unless like you said that mayor actually did ask if then it i is wouldn't be making up right. a lie I would just be persuading them as to why right. I did the act in order to accomplish it. Yeah, I think that's the I think that's the line there. But anyway, yeah, and, sorry. <laughs> any any DMs or characters that we've had playing games before, again, join the Dim Light Squad. Put it in our Discord. Shoot us an email. Dresdunright yeah. at gmail dot com. Totally. If we're ever wrong on these rules, or say three point five is different than five e, you know, I, or if you interpret know. it differently, yeah, let us know how yeah. you would interpret it. Yeah. Because, you know, look, we're going to continue doing this for a while. And if we're doing things completely wrong, uh, we would like to <laughs> we know. Probably and know. so then we can fix it. <laughs> you know, the most simplified way of explaining persuasion is that you know how to convince others to see things your way. And it can go a long way in D&D if you're able to use your charm and charisma to get your way instead of brute force. Mm -hmm. Because while some situations can be solved by the Hulk smash approach that most barbarians take... You know, interactions can be like a finely crafted lock that requires a deft touch in order to unlock it properly you know, without breaking your tools. Right. Or maybe setting off the poisonous dart that would kill you. <laughs> and I feel like persuasion, like get, uh, getting out of an encounter using a persuasion persuasion skill, still uh, still is defeating the encounter. You know, like yeah. you know, there, we've had a number of sessions mm -hmm. where we don't even have any fighting. You know, and those are some of the best sessions. Those are some of the most fun. I mean, the, the yeah. combat's always fun, too. But I mean, the one that sticks out to me was when Sarah actually transmuted herself into a uh, one of the goblins. We were <laughs> right. going to have an encounter. And <laughs> yeah. she went up and she made herself look like a goblin yeah. and then talked to the people. And those people that were on guard duty left. Right. Because she was, you know, she railed a high enough persuasion check and was like, hey, I need you guys to go over there. There's there's bad guys or whatever right. happening over there. Like, go, go, go. And they were like, well, we can't leave. So I'll stay here. Look, I'm a goblin. And they were like, okay. <laughs> there goes the whole encounter. But one amazing. person just literally defeated the entire group of bad guys with a deft persuasion check. Right. And that, that still requires experience as a reward because you you've mm -hmm. it, it was just a totally different way that you could defeat the encounter it's awesome i love yeah, it and <laughs> that's one of the things for me about dnd that makes it so appealing is it's not just hack and slash it's not right. just like assassin's creed where you have to walk around and assassinate people yeah. there's literally countless ways to get through an encounter as long as you can imagine it right exactly you know? 
Well, as long as you can imagine it and hit the right roles and give the right explanation. (laughs) But that's part of the puzzle, right? Getting into the head of your character. Why would they say that? What would they say? How can I explain it in a way that makes sense to that character? Like, it's just another level into role playing. I I love it. I love it. It's so much fun. So much fun. Oh, man, Jeffrey, here we are at the end of the Dungeon Delve. We're sitting at almost 53 minutes, uh, 52 minutes, I guess, and that's the end of episode 27. Two episodes Again. left. <laughs> For the second time. <laughs> the listeners don't know that, but now they do. <laughs> so that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and remember that if you like the show, give us a five-star rating, subscribe, leave us a comment, or even better, share the show. Also... Make sure you're getting the most out of the podcast. Pick up a copy of the book and read along with us. If you don't have time to read, consider getting the audiobook. That's what I do. I listen on my commute. I mean, I'm driving an hour, well, two hours every day, just about. Uh, so audiobook has really just changed my life listening to that. Uh, when you've read the next chapter, shoot us an email at drizdunright at gmail.com. Let us know what your favorite part was, or you can jump onto the Discord. Remember the... Um, the invitation is in the description of the episode and then on there you can join in on the ongoing discussion remember we would love to hear from you friends we only have a few chapters left before the book ends technically two more chapters left so i want to encourage you to go into the episode description click the link to support the podcast you can send a dollar two dollars five dollars you can send more or you know what? There's just other ways to also help support the podcast. Not all of them come financially. Justin just mentioned a bunch of them. We always need people to share the podcast, to leave comments, likes, reviews. Without you all, we'd just be sitting in the room talking to one another over a computer. And you know what? We do that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so much more entertaining when you guys help take part of the show. Totally. You all help make this show what it will become. So make sure you, you subscribe and follow along. Join the Discord. Ring the bell so loud they can hear it far and wide. (laughs) And please remember, click play on the next episode. And until we meet again, farewell, friends. Play fair, be well.